are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Brian Peacock here with you from a super secret remote location. Uh, I've recorded podcasts. When you're doing a daily podcast, you're going to have to find some interesting places to record. I've recorded, you know, at work. I work at a radio station, record a lot there after work, um, record from my home studio. Most often, I've recorded from hotel rooms. I've recorded from friends' houses. I've recorded from my car. I've recorded from a cabin in the woods. I'm not going to tell you where I am for this special mailbag episode this Tuesday edition of Locked On 49ers, but uh, if it does sound a little bit different, it's because I'm in my super secret remote studio right now. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, just a quick reminder before I get to these mailbag questions, follow me on Twitter at BDPeacock. That's where most of these questions came in, a lot of email questions as well. That email is LockedOn49ers at Gmail, and of course, articles and all the podcasts also go up at LockedOn49ers.com. So let's see. Let's just get right into this. Let's start with some emails. And this is from, actually, let's start with Facebook. Got a question from Facebook. Uh, Anthony, I'm interested to hear your thoughts about this. I did not hear many commentators speaking about this during the game. I was encouraged when watching the game about how many rookies and first-year players that are making major contributions to our team. Thomas Foster, Witherspoon, Kittle, Taylor, Breida, Colbert, Jones, Buckner, just the contribution from this year's rookies alone is impressive. They're looking better each week, and I think it speaks well for the team's future if things continue to improve. Have you ever seen a time with the 49ers where there are so many first- and second-year players playing this much and playing this well? Wow, no, I don't think I can recall a time when there was this many rookies making an impact. Maybe all the way back to, say, 2005. When you know Frank Gore and Alex Smith were rookies, those guys didn't get on the field immediately. Kevin Barlow, I believe, was still the starting quarter or the starting running back, and um, they had Tim Rattay still with the 49ers back in the day in 2005. Uh, I can't remember. There's another quarterback I'm drawing a blank on that was on that team, but no, there. And part of it is that there's so much roster turnover that there's nobody in front of these rookies anyway. You know, most teams. When you bring in even a, a big draft class of 10 players, there's still a ton of veterans that are in there that are starters, and the rookies got to work their way in. There's been a bunch of injuries, and there was so much roster turnover. I've never seen it. I know, and I've never seen a team with this many rookies playing, and I've never seen a team with this much wide-open opportunity for players, whether they're from another team, cast-offs, from the practice squad, rookies, whoever. I mean, so many guys, almost every single position, there's been a guy that was not a starter last year in the NFL, whether it's a rookie, somebody off the street, whatever, had an opportunity to play a lot and earn a starting job for the 49ers. And uh, Anthony, that's a good call. And not enough people are talking about how many rookies are making an impact. And it's it looking like a really, really good rookie class for John Lynch in year number one for the 49ers. And a lot of that's opportunity. Some of these guys are going to filter out because they're going to bring in more and more talent too. Let's go to Jeff. This is interesting. I got a pair of emails from two different Jeffs, but both talking about running backs. Uh, no, Jeff number one, with all the hype surrounding Hyde leaving, what is your take on the Niners just moving on and not addressing the running back position? There was a lot of anticipation on Joe Williams 
and the combination with him and Matt Breida, is that enough for the 2018 season? Uh, Thanks for the email, Jeff, number one. I would say that no, Joe Williams and Matt Breida is not enough. I think I'm still, I mean, Carlos Hyde did have a little extra bounce in his step this Sunday, but I still think uh, Hyde ends up leaving because I think he's going to maybe find some more money elsewhere. And I think it's just a situation where they can bring in more more young players and let them compete. And there will be somebody else brought in to compete with Joe Williams. And we still don't know how Joe Williams is going to look coming back. I didn't really have much of an impact. He had two really good runs in the preseason, and that was about it. And we didn't really see much of him. And he got hurt, done for the year. So not sure. I don't think you can count on Joe Williams, but he might still be really good. It's just a complete unknown there. And then Matt Breida, I think, is exactly what he is this year for the 49ers. I think that's what he is. I would never pencil in. I haven't. Seen, I like Matt Breida. I haven't seen enough from Breida to pencil him in as someone that I would want to be a starter going into next year. I think he's a very good change of pace back. I think that's exactly what he should be. So, uh, absolutely, if Hyde does go, you bring somebody in. And maybe a high draft pick. And when I say high for running back, I'm talking third round pick. Late second is probably that late second round pick for the 49ers. Probably the earliest I would be... Um, uh, you know, that's the earliest I could see them spending a, a pick on a running back. But one of those third rounders, maybe that second round pick or maybe another fourth round or something like that, a mid round, uh, early to mid round running back to compete with Joe Williams and Matt Breida next year. Jeff, number two, if the 49ers do not retain Hyde, who'd be your favorite draft running back prospects to join Breida, Williams, Mostert and McNichols? Yeah, and uh, you got to talk about Mostert and McNichols. Mostert, we saw him when he wasn't in the game playing special teams. He's a good special teams player and and a solid number three running back for the 49ers. Jeremy McNichols, it'd be interesting to see him get activated and play a little bit here down the stretch as well. So you kind of know what you have going into 2018. Um, If you go to LockedOn49ers.com, I did a a very early 2018 49ers-only seven-round mock draft. And in that draft, at the top of the third round, I took USC running back Ronald Jones, who's an explosive player, not a super big running back, but I think he really fits that one-cut style. He's He's got that ability to, you know, when they run that outside zone and you're stretching the play out and you need someone who can put their foot in the ground and just burst up the field, I think Ronald Jones has that. I think he has a little bit more power in his game. He's not a power runner at all. He's a pretty lean player. I think he goes about six feet tall, 205, so he's he's a slim six-footer. Uh, I'm guessing at the combine he's probably going to gain five pounds and, and lose an inch, which guys tend to do. So, you know, 210, 5'11 is what I'm guessing he's going to show up at at the combine. Um, but he, he's, he's got a little more power than someone like Brita, where he can run through arm tackles, and so... Uh, Ronald Jones, I think, is someone who could be a very good fit. I really like Chubb from Georgia. He was the guy who replaced uh, Todd Gurley at Georgia. And then, like Todd Gurley in college, blew out his knee. And he's still coming back from that. He's not looking as explosive as he did early in his college career because he was amazing when he filled in for, at first, when he showed up on the scene. I think it was his sophomore year filling in for uh, Todd Gurley, who was a junior at the time. And then... Uh, recovering from an injury now, a knee injury, I think it was an ACL, but I, I really like Nick Chubb. He, he's an explosive player. He's more of a power player. I think if the 49ers do draft a running back, they've got the speed handled with, with Breida and Joe Williams and some of these guys. They definitely, when they do draft another player, uh, the guy's got to be able to at least run through arm tackles. doesn't have to be a huge grinder. doesn't have to be a 230-pound running back, but he's got to be someone who can at least run with a little power, run behind their pads, and break arm tackles and get some tough yardage. 
So uh, those are a couple names. I mean, there's a lot of guys. If you're looking at the early players, I love Saquon Barkley. I'm anti-drafting a running back in the top five, top ten. Uh, but I really do like Saquon Barkley anyway. But I just I, I'm not going to take him as high as as a team I think is going to take him. And then Darius Geis is going to be the other first round running back out of LSU, who's a, a, a stud running back that nobody's really talking about, or not enough people are talking about because of how good he is. But there's a ton of guys, and this is another really good draft for running backs, another deep draft for running backs. There's going to be some some long term starting NFL running backs into well into day two and probably even in day three. Let's go to one more email here from Derek. If the 49ers go and get a number one receiver, that means Garcon will be the number two. So what does that mean for Goodwin? He's played really well this year. Does he move into the slot or get bumped out of the rotation? Let's see. Thank you for the email, Derek. I would say that Goodwin, I think Goodwin is not supposed to be as heavily involved as he is right now. And I've liked what I've seen from him. And it's really cool to see him develop even in his NFL career. This is going to be a career year for him. He's on pace to possibly get 1,000 yards for the first time ever. Um, he's setting career highs. He's, he's got a two-game a two game career high in yards, I think, going right now, and receptions. He had a career high in receptions for a game a couple weeks ago in Jimmy Garoppolo's first start. So he's being used more than, than he was even expected to be used. He wasn't supposed to be a big part of the offense. He's supposed to be that big play guy. And I think he's a perfect fit to be that number three wide receiver that, that backs up a number one guy who's on the outside. So, and he comes in, he could line up in the slot. uh, He can line up outside and make big plays. And I think, you know, if you have a really strong wide receiver rotation, Goodwin is your third best wide receiver. So I think that's where he would fit is to be that third outside wide receiver and he can mix in inside give you that that home run hitter that could run out of the slot that would give you a much different look than Trent Taylor who's not the home run guy but he's the quick shifty underneath player inside so yeah move Goodwin around and that would be ideal to have Garcon as the number two and have another number one or have a 1A 1B situation with Garcon and have uh, Goodwin be sort of the third outside guy that's the way I would look at it and then, you know, and you got to protect yourself from injuries as well, because as we've seen, you're not going to go through a full season. So to have multiple players who can be starting wide receivers and, and starters at any position that are backups to, to begin the year is very important. Okay, where are we at here? Ooh, here's an over-under from John via Twitter. Garoppolo's contract, five years, $125 million. Oh, man. See, that's a big contract. I don't think... No, I don't he he's not in line to get that yet because he just hasn't he doesn't have the track record in the NFL yet. Um I'm thinking more like 5 mil less per year. So something around 20 million for me. He's going to get more than Glennon, he's going to get more than Brock Osweiler. I think those contracts are around 18, 19. I think Osweiler might have been closer to 19. I think Glennon was 3 years 18 million, a terrible contract. I don't know what the Bears were thinking there. But I think Garoppolo's going to get more like 20 million. I mean, there's no reason to sign him long-term if you're going to go pay him more money per year than what he's going to get with the franchise tag anyway. So uh, I think the franchise tag is maybe 24 this year at the most. So you're not going to go give him more than that per year and for five years. He just uh, he hasn't earned that from uh, – he doesn't have the track record to earn that. I think five years 25 is, is not much different than what Matthew Stafford just got at the beginning of this year. And so uh, I, I think it'll be more like 20 mil per year – in the offseason for four or five years, maybe like four years, because I think Garoppolo at 26 would probably be want to get in line to have another big payday right around 30. 
So, you know, four years, 20 million, I think is something that if I had to guess, and I'm not the best cap guy and the best with contracts and stuff, but just judging by what other contracts and, and seeing money thrown around, I think that's what I would put the over under at for, uh, for Garoppolo. So I'm going to go way under on the five years, $125 million. Okay, where are we at on Twitter? We got a bunch of them. Oh, here, sticking with Garoppolo, Jason says, to answer my question from the last episode, uh, he thinks that with Garoppolo starting all year for the 49ers, they'd be uh, not only 8-5, and five, maybe even 9-4. and four. So Jason's saying that with Jimmy Garoppolo, the 49ers would have not only won all five of those games that they lost within three points, but they would have won another game. Jason, if you're out there, and I know you are, I'd be interested to hear which games you think they would have won. Maybe week one against Carolina. Um, I don't think it would have been either the Cowboys or the Eagles games because those weren't very close. Let's see. What are the other games here that, that were that were close but not one of those five in a row? 49ers have three wins right now, three and ten. Jason thinks there's six other games the 49ers would have won this year with Garoppolo at the helm. Oof, that's interesting. That's a little much for me. I, 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 can't, I can't go that far, but it's, I mean... I'm with you, Jason, with how clear it is that how good Garoppolo is and how much of a difference he makes. I mean, that's I, I think that's remarkable, and it's an unmistakable difference when you watch the team the first nine, ten weeks, and then Garoppolo jumps in there. Uh, it's it's so much different. Every position group is better since he's gotten in there. It's it's pretty unreal to see that change midseason like that. Uh, so sticking with Jason's question here for the mailbag. With a late second round pick and an early and two early third round picks, who or what positions would you use those picks on? I kind of touched on some of that. I think that's a prime spot for a running back there in the third round if you let Carlos Hyde go. Offensive line, that's that's usually a place where you can find a very good and likely starter on the interior offensive line. You know, interior offensive linemen don't go as high as those tackles do, like in the first round, in most cases, with a few exceptions when there's true, true studs. So, you know, maybe center, maybe guard if they don't go early, if they don't go in free agency, though that could definitely be a position there. Um, to me, there's enough needs on the team where you can go need as well. So, you know, if the 49ers are, even if the 49ers say sign a veteran wide receiver and they don't draft one early, you could definitely dip into the wide receiving pool there. Uh, it's usually a good spot to get a wide receiver in the late second, early third round. Um, you can do pass rusher there if you're not able to do that in the first round. So there's really a ton of positions they could go. And really, they're still in a position where they can go BPA in a lot of spots. Best player available throughout the draft. This is from Jun on Twitter. We need someone off the edge to get at the quarterback. Don't know Armstead's trade value, but would you take a mid to late second for Armstead and draft a true Leo at the top of the draft like Bradley Chubb? To answer the second, actually, to answer both those questions, yes and yes, absolutely. I would trade Armstead for a late second rounder in a heartbeat. And even if I didn't trade Armstead, I would still have no problems drafting someone like Bradley Chubb, a stud defensive end at the top of the draft. Um, As for the trade value for Armstead, I just don't think you would get that value for Armstead, unfortunately. And I know you drafted him what 49ers took him at they traded back from 15 the Chargers moved up to draft Melvin Gordon and then the Niners took I think it was two picks later is where the Niners dropped back to and took Armstead so you're not going to get any anything near that number 17 overall pick that you spent on Armstead 
But, um, you know, a mid-round pick or maybe somebody else's ex-first-rounder that's not working out for them or or that's blocked by some other players or, you know, because Armstead's still got some value. So I think straight up for draft picks, you know, you're looking at probably something like a fourth-round pick for Armstead. And at that point, you, you might as well keep the guy and see if he can stay healthy because he's got some, some solid attributes. And I think he can be a good player, even if he's a little bit redundant there, as I think ideally a strong side defensive end, just like Salma Thomas is, who who would kick inside and rush on third downs from the interior. And I think he's a, a similar player, but he's not a throwaway guy. So unless you can get some kind of value, maybe somebody else's. I remember earlier this offseason, I threw out a, a scenario and, and I got shot down. People hated this trade idea, but it was uh, Armstead to the Minnesota Vikings for Laquan Treadwell. And that's kind of the thing you'd be looking at. Somebody else's first rounder that, that hasn't been able to, to see the field enough and, and work out a deal like that. Maybe John Ross from the Bengals, who I just saw a tweet, I think it was to, earlier today, about John Ross that the Bengals were, were, were thinking about trying him at corner because he, he wasn't working out at wide receiver already. I mean, that's insane. They drafted him nine overall. And he, he they, they're not even letting him return kicks. And they ended up putting him on IR, and he was inactive but healthy for a lot of weeks. I have no idea what's going on with John Ross over there in Cincinnati. But, you know, a player like that, that that might be a position of need for the 49ers, and you go player for player there, someone who's talented that can't get on the field for whatever reason, uh, that's what I'd be looking at for player for player. Straight up draft picks, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if they would be able to get all that much for Eric Armstead, unfortunately. So at that point, you know, you might as well keep him. Let's go to Skip. Which running back in the draft? A lot of running back questions here. People are very interested in the running back position today. Uh, which running back in the draft do you realistically see the Niners drafting, barring Hyde's contract? Ah, it's, it's still way too early to really dig into that and, and say which name I think would be the, the fit for the 49ers because you, you're not really knowing what rounds. We haven't seen these guys work out yet. We don't know exactly how much all these guys weigh and how big they actually are. Uh, you you, you want to see them work out next to each other. And I still have a lot of tape to watch on all these players. So it's Skip, ask me that question in a few months. Still too early to start putting a ton of names out there. I mentioned a few of them earlier, and, and there's there's a lot of guys that I didn't even talk about. It's, it's another deep draft for running backs, so they could really dip in any round there. Let's see. Ooh, here's an overrated, underrated. Despite fading draft position, does winning these games offset draft position with Jimmy Franchises? By the way, Jimmy Franchise is such a good nickname. I, I'm, I think I might be sticking with that. I like that a lot. Uh, with Jimmy Franchise's contract negotiations and help cement his long-term commitment to the organization. Uh, that question's from Hindenburg 49ers on Twitter. Uh, winning is still number one, I think. If Jimmy Garoppolo is so good that you are running the table this year and beating the Rams, beating the Jaguars, who just knocked off the Seahawks, and he makes that much of a difference, then you are elated as a 49ers fan and draft position means squat at that point it's like whatever you're drafting pick 11 pick 10 pick 9 pick 12 it just flat out doesn't matter if Garoppolo is that good and he's that legit and you win out this season you're you're super excited because you can find good players throughout the draft so so that's not as big of a deal as how important the quarterback position is so you're doing backflips at the 49ers are so good with Garoppolo that all of a sudden they're just running the table. That's definitely, wait, What? how did you phrase this? Overrated, underrated. Um, let me put it this way. I don't, I don't even, I don't think you really laid it out how this was, <laughs> if it was a straight question, what was overrated or which one was underrated. I'm going to say draft position is 
overrated. That's the way I'll put that. But hey, if the 49ers look good and Garoppolo still looks good and you know they can't quite capture those wins and they do end up with a higher pick, that's okay too. And that's that's the bonus of where the 49ers are at right now. Wins and losses, you can't get tied to them, and you can find a, a positive either way. Let's go to Lucas. Should Garoppolo be referred to as Jimmy Dimebags? Exhibit A, B, and C. He wears number 10. Weed is legal in California. Dude throws dimes. <laughs> okay. I'm not I'm not against that. Jimmy Dimebags, I don't think it's going to fly on uh, on like posters and stuff that's on uh, 49ers.com. But uh, I could see, you know, a number 10 Jimmy Dimebags jersey rolling out there to the stadium. I wouldn't be surprised if I saw one of those. Oh, by the way, I do want to remind everybody about some of the other podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. There is Locked On NFL with host Matt Williamson. There is Locked On NFL Draft with John Ledyard, who's been on my show before, and I hope he'll be on again uh, in this offseason talking about the draft. His co-host there is Trevor Sykema. And just about every team in the NBA and NFL is covered in the Locked On Podcast Network. So a lot of great podcasts out there. Uh, you guys definitely need to check some of those out. Not just Locked On 49ers, although uh, it's probably the best podcast on the network, right? I mean, come on. No, I'm just kidding. I only say that because I know none of the other hosts are listening. From The Irishman, how underrated is Goodwin? He will finish the season with more yards than Curly did last year and receive less love and praise. I think in the end he'll end up receiving the right amount of love and praise. The season's not over yet, but I've I just from the person, I, I love Marquise Goodwin. I, I'm so excited the 49ers brought him in because he's a great dude. I love having that guy who can take the top off the defense. I still think there's, you know, little bits uh, to work on there with Garoppolo and Goodwin on the deep balls. They missed a couple of those in the last game. Uh, but they're going to start hitting some of those, and it's going to be fun to watch too. And and I've liked seeing him hit Goodwin on those dig routes and, and really fired in there. And uh, Goodwin's game has stepped up so much since Garoppolo became the starter. It's been fun to watch. And I really like Marquise Goodwin. And uh, he you don't want him to be your number one wide receiver, just like you didn't want Jeremy Curley to be your number one wide receiver, but he's a really good piece to the receiving core. So, yeah, overall, I think Marquise Goodwin might be underrated. Yeah, you're right, Irishman, good call. Let's go to Matt. Do you think Barkley, Penn State running back, would be a good fit in Shanahan's offense? I think Saquon Barkley, I've talked about him a lot on the show. He'd be a fantastic fit in this scheme. Absolutely. Love Saquon Barkley. He's a talented player. He's a great receiver as well. He's got top speed. He's got quicks. And he's 230 pounds. He's awesome. If the 49ers draft Saquon Barkley, it will be a good thing because they'll have an awesome running back that's a great fit for the offense. But... I wouldn't take Saquon Barkley over a stud tackle or a stud, you know, guard for that matter, like a true stud. Um, I wouldn't draft him over quarterback. That's not going to happen now anyways. I wouldn't draft him over a stud wide receiver. I wouldn't draft him over a stud pass rusher. So he still takes a backseat to a lot of things, but loves Saquon Barkley. Great fit, an all-around very good player. Uh, But there's so many good running backs, such a deep class. Again, it looks like. And you can just find really good running backs late. Just I'm, I'm still, as good as Barkley is, still anti-drafting a running back super high. But hey, if the 49ers went out and they're drafting 12 and Barkley's still there, uh, you can start talking me into that a, a much easier. Let's go to, where are we at here? Bring back the Zodiac. Haven't heard much from Jed this year. Seems he's letting the coach and GM do their thing. What will it take for Jed to get back in good graces of the fans, and how long will that take? 
That's a good question. And you're right. He's doing exactly what he needs to to get there. Um, he needs to disappear, and then the 49ers need to win. And, and I don't know if I don't know if they have to win a Super Bowl necessarily, but they have to get back to prominence. They have to get back to being that team that is in contention to win the division every year, to make the postseason, uh, to be a threat to be in or win the Super Bowl. Basically, get back to the point where they were in peak Harbaugh era. And I think Jed can kind of come out of hiding and be like, "Hey, what's up, guys?" But he ha- he can't do that smug thing where he comes out and is like, "All right, everybody praise me because I'm so awesome. Look what I did." He's got to be humble, and the team has to be very good and win. Then he can come back out, and, and I think he'll uh, he'll be all right in 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 the eyes of fans. Let's see. Uh, Zodiac also asks about Frank Gore. Any scenarios see bringing Frank Gore back to finish his career? Uh, no, not to finish his career on the field, but like signing that one day contract so he ends his career as a 49er. Absolutely, I'd be totally on board with that. I could see that happening. I think Frank does need to uh, sign that ceremonial contract and end his career as a 49er. Oh, here we go. These are the ones I missed. we got some folks from overseas dropping in some questions. Let's go to Ian via Twitter. From an off-season point of view, do you think that wins are worth the drop in draft position to entice free agents? Great show, buddy. Ian, an English Niner. All right. Thanks, Ian, from England. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and thanks for the question. Um, yeah, that, that's another thing. So, Winning helps, and the biggest part of that winning, obviously, is Jimmy Garoppolo, and I think if you're trying to, say, entice a wide receiver, and now you're like, oh, hey, check this out. We just added this quarterback and this terrible 49ers team that was the t- one of the two worst teams in the league for most of the year. He came in, and we just won a bunch of games, and he's a stud quarterback. Do you want to come play over here in San Francisco in one of the greatest cities in the world now with this awesome quarterback? I think it's a much better selling point to show a guy – that you've got the quarterback in place who's young, who's going to be around for a while, that also is running a system with one of the best play callers in the NFL in Kyle Shanahan. And now it starts in, you've got a ton of cap room. It's a much easier sell there, looking like a team that's on its way up that's going to start winning a whole bunch of football games. That's a, that's a great point, Ian. And let's go to Justin from Tamworth, UK. I don't know exactly where Tamworth is. Uh, Justin asks, is there a scenario where the Niners could have a good enough offseason to be a playoff contender next season, what would it take? Great show, Justin Tamworth, UK. Um, Justin, let me know where Tamworth is. I'm I'm interested in that. Not that uh, it would make much of a difference because I still have never gotten over to the UK. So, um, uh, But I would like to someday you know when hopefully the Niners play in London again and I've heard I think it was Mayoko the other day talking about how uh, it's a really cool trip over there to London I think that'd be an awesome trip to go to London and watch a 49ers game and I've heard uh, there's a ton of fans over there and just judging by the podcast and seeing uh, where my listeners are from and, and folks on Twitter I've seen a ton of fans over there so it'd be interesting to go and see if it's almost like a home game over there watching the Niners in London but anyways, to get to Justin's question here, a playoff contender next season, absolutely they could be. They're, I mean, even in the games they lost, just going back to that stretch, and it's funny seeing Jimmy Garoppolo get plugged in here and then seeing the Niners reel off back-to-back wins, and then you look back to those games with Hoyer and Bethard at quarterback where the 49ers were losing by three points or less, and you're thinking, man, this, this season could have gone a lot differently. I mean, you might be looking at a close to 500 or over 500 football team already this year. Uh, I think they got a coaching staff in place, another offseason with a ton of cap room and a ton of draft picks to add more talent 
absolutely the 49ers and with the with the way the NFC West is going right now. I mean, the Rams are on their way up, but the Seahawks are definitely not as good as they were a few years ago. And the Cardinals might be the worst team in the division next year if things keep going the way they're going and they try to roll out there with Blaine Gabbard again. All right, I think I pretty much hit all of them. Where we got here? Oh, yeah, uh, Steven, good point. He he said uh, in the last show, I missed Garrett Selleck for a game ball. And uh, that's a good point. I did. That was a big oversight on my part. Garrett Selleck definitely deserved a game ball. And maybe Kyle Juszczyk as well. Um, and I didn't give them the nod in the last show. So, Steven, thanks for calling me out there. You're absolutely right. And he also thinks the 49ers would be 8-5 and five with Jimmy Garoppolo starting all year. And he says, with the caveat, assuming he went through the entire offseason program with Shanahan. And that's a great point. This is Jimmy Garoppolo helping the 49ers win back-to-back games on the road. And that's a month into his tenure here. So imagine getting through this season, getting through those growing pains, going through a full offseason in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Oh, man. Yeah, I think it's a bright future. And you don't want to get too overly excited. I mean, teams are going to watch Garoppolo. They're going to try to find ways to beat him, find out what his weaknesses are. And you got to see if he can adjust to the adjustments. But right now, it's looking like a perfect fit with, with Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan. All right, thanks for the questions, everybody. Let's leave on that note. Got a Winky Wednesday coming tomorrow. If I didn't get to your question, I'll try to get to that tomorrow with Nick. If another question was sparked in your mind, feel free to hit me up on Twitter at BDPeacock or via email LockedOn49ers at Gmail, and we'll get to that Cover 3 mailbag on Wednesday with Mr. Nick Winkler right here on Locked On 49ers.